loan officers. Join the mortgage calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation. Welcome everyone to the loan officer training series here with the mortgage calculator. We're going to wait just a minute here to get started so we can go live on all the different platforms. We put the chat up there so you can drop some comments there in the chat while we wait. And I see some people are already dropping in the chat there as well. So good evening to everyone. And it looks like we are live on all of the different platforms now so we can go ahead and get it started here. Thank you for everybody tuning in and dropping comments there in the chat. All right. Welcome, everyone. My name is Kyle Hershey. I'm the COO of The Mortgage Calculator, joined here by our president, Nick Hershey, and our sales manager, Jose Gonzalez. <clears throat> we are a correspondent lender that specializes in non-QM loans. So today's training topic is something that we're very familiar with here at The Mortgage Calculator and most of our loan officers, too, which is bank statement loans for self-employed borrowers. So as a lender that specializes in non-QM loans, this is our most popular product when it comes to primary residences, especially. So our sales manager, Jose Gonzalez, with 27 years of experience as a loan officer and realtor has used this program plenty of times and is going to go ahead and do a deep dive into this with us today. As we go through here, feel free to drop questions there in the comments in the chat, and we'd be happy to answer those as well. So, Jose, let's talk about bank statement loans. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us for our bank statement loans for self-employed borrowers training. Now, I've been seeing quite a few bank statement loans come by my desk for disclosure within the last couple of weeks. So I decided to revisit a training that we have already had, which is the training, this bank statement loan training. You know, we obviously have some new MLOs also, and not every MLO on the company has been on the training. So I hope you all will take advantage. I have added some additional content because the non-QM world is always evolving. Guidelines are always evolving. So I try to put the tips and tricks in here on how you should approach these loans to fully maximize the benefit. Um, what, what happened to us this morning, Jose? Oh, regarding bank statement loans and guidelines, you mean? Yeah, about <laughs> and guidelines in, changing. And locking, and locking in a loan, yeah. Uh, always, definitely always want to verify that what you get in your pricing queries is accurate. But, but it, got, it changed from one day to the next. Yeah, one day, so it has yeah. to be accurate one day and the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then make sure you lock in your loans. Like, uh, you know, we, we locked in some loans today that we wanted to make sure we, we were protecting the guidelines that we had found, which were pretty unique. Uh, this is a for a 15% down payment investment bank statement option. There's limited options for that out there so obviously when you do get it and you get the borrower to accept the deal now we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves this is like tomorrow's training but we just wanted to state it because it's so important so relevant to i mean what's going on this is like from the front lines data right uh, these guidelines can change from one day to the next if you have your loan locked in 
you're protected. And then make sure it stays locked in with rate lock extensions if needed, right? But if you don't lock it in and the guidelines change, doesn't really matter that you had already submitted the file, underwriting already approved it. If you didn't lock it in and the guidelines change, you're not going to be able to, I mean, you're going to need an exception now at that point because it's no longer a guideline that's part of the program. So that I would consider some rate lock advice there, rate lock logic, you know, real important. There's a lot of reasons why you're going to lock in a rate and the rate lock. The rate is only one of them. Protecting the guidelines is another. So definitely a lot of different things to consider with the bank statement loans, right? Uh, They really bring a smile to my face because in a bank statement loan, excuse me, you could get a situation where you could have a borrower have either, let's say, four or $5,000 a month in after-tax income reported on the tax returns that you would not need for the bank statement loan that could render for the same borrower twenty-five dollars or $30,000 a month in income. You know, and, the, and if you're going non-QM with the same borrower, a full doc traditional income and full doc using bank statements on non-QM is usually going to have the same interest rate. Yep, you heard correct. The same interest rate. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different if you're going agency, right? Conventional FHA is going to have different rates than non-QM, but it really depends. Now, what if you're going jumbo, right? Now you're a different situation. Now you're like, hey, non-QM is probably going to be the same rate. As a jumbo loan uh, in most cases. But you're with a bank statement borrower here. A lot of reasons you would be doing it, but typically I just have one right now. I happen to be originating where they want to go full dock on $7,000 a month, but because of DTI would make it. But with bank statement, the same borrower, I think we calculated their income like $28,000, $27,000 a month. Flying colors there, right? A little bit difference in the LTV, but definitely the strategies are there. So if you, it is a tax planning strategy. So if you have the borrower that's consulting with you in the infancy stage of their pre-approval for a home, and now they're like, you know, Zay, I'm going to get getting serious now. The wife told me I need to get a place or else. So, you know, I was thinking now, going to file my taxes, but I'm not really sure what to do. So then you could give them different options, you know. You could give them the theoretical, this is the full doc option, and this is the bank statement option, the full doc option. you got to make at least this much. Uh, and on the bank statement option, it's this much. And then he, he, the borrower can go talk to their tax planner and see which is the best option. But normally the best option is going to be the bank statement option, you know, usually the self-employed borrowers, you know, gonna not doing the three or five percent down necessarily. Uh, if they can do a ten percent down at least, if needed, on a primary, right? So, just have to set the proper expectations and the proper planning, and so that everything can be in in the right context, right? You're not gonna analyze the self-employed borrower 
And I mean, the bank statement loan and the agency loan without taking into consideration that in the agency loan, you have to claim that on your taxes and pay, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 a year in tax liability. And in the sell a bank statement loan, not, tax returns don't have to be provided. So you're going to save that tax liability if that's what they've been doing all their life and they want to maintain <clears throat> the status quo. Then they can go maintain the status quo because we're going to provide them their financial management solution, which is the bank statement loan, which is not going to force the borrower to go and claim all this outrageous amount to try to qualify for a full doc loan when there are many options out there. So <clears throat> I wanted to give you a little context there because it's very important to know why we are even talking about bank statement loans and who qualifies, right? Know what the real benefit is on that bank statement loan because sometimes the rates may be a little bit higher. So you have to, you know, that empower your borrower with all the information necessary so that they can fully consider what you are bringing to the table, which is the bank statement loan for self-employed borrowers only. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you are an employee who's also has a, a, a side gig that you can't do both. We do have options, by the way, where you can combine W-2 income with bank statement and P&L. Right. So just let you know that. But in terms of the bank statement loan component itself, it it's for a self-employed borrower. So the bank statement component, if you do have a borrower getting multiple streams of income, the, the stream that qualifies for the bank statement loan would be the self-employed borrower stream with minimum two years in business. Now, they can be one year in business, and this is real important little hack. So this is some new content that we've added since the last time we had this. If they've been in business one year and they were previously licensed, uh, then in that same type of, let's say, electrician would be the, the best example, right? Person was licensed as an electrician, working for a company, doing a bunch of jobs, but as an employee, now this person is self-employed and uh, they've been one year. And they got their bank statements and they can show you previously, hey, look, this is my license. I did it for X number of years. And we can do that one bank statement. That's like the exception. But normally, always two years minimum business. Could be a sole proprietor. Could be LLC. Could be S Corp. Could be C Corp. Doesn't have to be an officially licensed type business. They just have to be in business. And there's a lot of ways you can verify that. But the business component is going to need some type of third-party verification. Could be you know, tax preparer, accountant, CPA, some kind of governmental agency. All depending on the type of business, type of licensing, you know how deep you need to go for the verification. And th this program is possible for purchases, cash out, and rate and term refinances, and delayed financing. That's where you buy a property cash and then you go to refinance it and it's treated not like a cash out. So that's a way to circumvent seasoning restrictions to get market value, delayed financing. So a lot of different program options for the bank statement. You know, one thing to note is that 
all program options, they do have their own guidelines that are very, you know, they're very specific to, to them, to that option. So keep that in mind. Now, sometimes we may have, and you know, two investors that sell maybe sell into the same secondary market purchaser. So you may notice, hey, these guidelines look very similar. Well, then they're selling to the same secondary market. But most of the times they're going to be different, and you have to take that into consideration. That's why we would pick one over the other. Sometimes we pick it because of the rate. If we have that perfect, 100% perfect borrower, other times we pick it because we're looking for a certain component that uh, we have to find on that loan for that borrower. Uh, you're going to find max LTVs 90% for uh, owner-occupied purchase, 85% for investment purchase. Usually your rate and your refis cash outs are 5% LTV reductions. Rate and terms usually the same. Max DTI is usually 50%. Now, we can go with business bank statements. Keep in mind the expense factor on those, and that can change depending on if you can get a letter from your quote-unquote CPA, which is a tax preparer or an accountant or an actual CPA, right? They can provide a letter to increase the uh, increase the expense factor, which would increase the profit margin for the deposits the percentage of the deposits that you can use because that's what's going to happen on the business bank statements was usually a 50 percent expense factor now bear in mind some program options have expense factor tables so you need to be very well aware that's why i mentioned about all guidelines are different you know some are more complicated than others so some that give you that wow that rate looks really really good but you got to jump through a bunch of hoops of fire to be able to get it, and some, and some of those will have those expense factor tables. So certain type of business automatically is going to get put in a certain expense factor, and it's not usually going to be good, you know, like convenience stores, you know. That's like they know that's high overhead, low margin. So that's going to be like 70% expense factor or possibly even higher than that. So keep that in mind. Don't get caught off guard when your file goes to underwriting by when they – they cut your income in half and you go, what happened? What happened? All right. They hit you with that. So be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for NSFs and overdrafts. Usually more than three in a 12-month period is going to be critical to your loan. However, since, you know, the more at the mortgage calculator, we do love having solutions, uh, solutions for all our program issues. We do have a bank statement option that does not take, take a look at NSFs and overdrafts. But I believe it's only one. So, you know, and always not necessarily going to be the best rate. But if it, if it is an issue with NSFs and overdrafts that may have been keeping a prior borrower or a prospective borrower from this loan type, we do have the program option that does will allow a bank statement and with very good rates with NSFs and overdrafts. So very good rates on that one. But usually that's what you have to look at out for. One of that on those programs. And that, you know, talking about potential issues, right? Now we were talking about NSF's overdrafts. I mentioned that in the previous slide, just to let you know we have options for the, that issue. But some of the more serious uh, issues can be when you cannot document the needed business history, right? I mean, it's, this could be an issue. For example, you have a handyman. 
you know, handyman is acceptable. You don't have to be a licensed business. You could just be, you know, they're a member of the gig economy, right? You just got to have the deposits, but you got to be able to prove. And that's the issue where, let's say, somebody self-files their tax returns and says, hey, Jose, I don't have a CPA to provide, you know, quote, unquote. No, they got quotes around CPA because it doesn't really have to be a CPA. Remember, tax preparer or accountant or actually a licensed CPA. Any of those three can provide the third-party verification letter. But I've had it where they self-file and they don't have anybody. They just can't walk into an accountant's office and say, give me a letter. I need this letter. So, you know, you got to get creative on ways to find out how to verify that. You know, could be somebody, again, somebody that doesn't have that business license. So declining deposit trends. And, and I even mentioned that because be on the lookout for that. So, you know, you have that issue. So then, you know, Start working on it earlier before you get conditioned by underwriting for it. Declining deposit trends is another potential issue, either declining or whether ending in negative balances. Could be a potential issue. Customers going to have to explain that and come up with some documentation. Large deposits that cannot be documented. That's a really important one because what are considered usually, what is considered large deposit is any deposit that's greater than 50% of the monthly income to be documented so if, you, if like on my borrower we're documenting twenty six thousand dollars a month in income any deposit of the income stream of more than thirteen thousand dollars is going to have to be documented with something you know like a contract an invoice some something's going to have to document that that is an actual business related deposit uh, irregular deposit trends you know, could you know kill your deal? You're gonna have to have a good reason why they only deposit like once every three or four months, or like a seasonal business where they're closed in the winter. You know, like landscapers in the cold parts of the of the U.S. They they don't have any deposits probably December, January, February, and March. So you know, just get ready to explain that. Now underwriting always may have it at their discretion to increase your expense ratio due to the business type once the business narrative is provided to them. Because a lot of times there's going to be some type of a business narrative letter that's going to have to be provided either by the borrower, by the accountant, by somebody. Once they get that business narrative and they see the deposit stream, what's going in and what's going out also, Remember, you're looking at the statements, you know, it's coming in and out, right? And they do have it at their discretion to change the expense ratio. And they also have it at their discretion to request a profit and loss, possibly due to specific guideline requirements for that investor. You may not have noticed that some investors do require a profit and loss statement along with the 12 months statement so keep that in mind or there could be something wrong that they see too much money going out and they want to see a profit and loss to verify information so you know read up on that and see and reach out to us for suggestions on who we think would probably give you a less complicated experience when originating your bank statement loans definitely so Calculating income is a real important part of this factor. Most of the inspect of the investors and lenders do provide an Excel spreadsheet of some type. I'll share that with you in a minute. Uh, they do provide this spreadsheet. And actually, let me see if I can bring that up a second here. Okay. So 
this is the spreadsheet here. This is like a typical spreadsheet. They're, they're all going to vary a little bit. Now, this is the business bank statement uh, tab that I have checked. So then here in this in this spreadsheet, you would put here the month. This is month one. So here are the date. Then uh, you would put your deposits first here and then all the minus deposits. So the total deposits here, first column, and then all the deposits that were not going to be accepted that were being deducted. You just put them here with a minus in front of each one here. And then all the way to the right over here. It gives you the adjusted total, and then in the bottom, it gives you the total there for the 12 months or 24 months. I could put here 12 or 24. I could put 12 down here in this form, and then I would just do a 12-month average. And then up here, this would be the 12-month average with the default 50% express expense ratio, or else we would have the CPA expense ratio. If I had a CPA letter, then I would put this whatever. This is set default at 35%. Or if we provided a profit and loss statement to show the expense ratio, that would be pretty complicated for a bank statement loan. That would be for if you really had the bank statement loan that asked you for that. So again, you would make sure that you put your 12 months worth of deposits total right here, list out the unacceptable non-business related deposits, transfers, credits, stuff that's not direct business income deposits. And then you'd be good with that. So we did a, a full 12 months of that a spreadsheet um, on the episode about two months ago. So if you guys want to check that episode out, uh, we did a full 12 months. I made fake fake statements. Remember, we did a full 12 yeah. months. Nick, 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 Nick broke it down. Wait, wasn't that the one that you were using like the vice presidential? We did that. Not with the <laughs> vice president was the self-employed. So that's the one yeah, example right. uh, with the that's tax right. returns. And then uh, we just made fake bank statements for the bank statement one. But yeah, there's a yeah. full breakdown on how to use that spreadsheet all the way through if you guys want to yeah. check it out. And, and we do have also a lot of recorded training videos on it. So then be aware when you are calculating the income on that spreadsheet, be aware, again, I was talking about expense factor ratio restrictions, but also compensate for proportionate share of business. So if your borrower is 50% owner of that business, then the initial 50% is then going to be multiplied by an additional 50% hit to then come up with their proportionate share of the income. A lot of our investors, and here again, when I'm talking about investors is, you know, the secondary market, have a bank statement, like service, review services. So you can use those whenever possible, but I would always double check their calculations and I would confirm with them regarding any income guarantee. Notice I have, you know, my quotes around guarantee because it may not necessarily be an underwriting approved guarantee, you know, so double check. They sometimes may miss stuff, you know, so be on the safe side. But that's really good. They, they'll put everything on the spreadsheet for you, save you a lot of work, and usually do it within 24 hours. And when you are getting ready to present to your borrower, just, you know, make sure you have as many options as possible. Vary on the prepays for those investment properties because you'd be surprised how much better the pricing gets. Vary on the 12 or on the 24-month bank statement. You're going to get a little bit better pricing on the 24-month, but 
uh, it does expose you to an additional 12 months of review of the trends and, and all that kind of stuff. So keep an, keep an eye on that and your LTV differences. You know? And again, re, you know, re-emphasizing that all the guidelines are different and are very specific. Right. So just you have to be aware when you are getting it ready that you don't get caught off guard with any last minute conditions. So in tomorrow's training, we're going to come up with some specific quotes, pricing for a few different scenarios for this. So, again, we are seeing a lot of origination that's coming through now on the bank statement program. And I definitely wanted everybody to be aware of what a good option that is. 90% LTV. The rates on non-QM are tracking downwards. So it's, it's a it's very good time to have all these solutions that we have at the mortgage calculator. Absolutely. Well, I don't see any questions, so we will continue this tomorrow, as Jose said, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We do this training every Tuesday and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time, our loan officer training series where you can tune in. We go through different trainings live, and then we also record them, and they are on YouTube to watch later. So as Nick said, a couple months back, we did an actual bank statement calculation uh, that you could go search for and pull up as well. So... We appreciate everybody tuning in. Thank you, Jose, for the presentation. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the next episode of the Loan Officer Training Series with the Mortgage Calculator. Everyone have a great night. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Loan officers, join the Mortgage Calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation.